Hey y'all, Pastor Emil here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is far sweeter. Why? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, we're going to do that by talking to my buddies here, Justin and Al from PPM, Praying Pelican Missions. It's been uh, awesome to get to know these guys and to get to know PPM and to be a part of PPM. And we've talked about doing something like this for a really long time. We have. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it, it's not just you guys. It's like everything, <laughs> trying to coordinate schedules and make things happen. I think God is uh, trying to teach us perseverance in these interesting years. Um, I mean, if that's something you want to look like you wanted to jump on it. <laughs> no, yeah, so. I'm, just, I'm just thinking, that, you know, it's made it harder, us not living in the same city. But every time we get here, we're only here for a little yeah. amount of time. And it's like, hey, we need to do this. Okay, maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, we are we are live at 8.36 a.m. on my clock, and uh, we're having ice cream. These are the coolest guys ever because they're the first <laughs> ones. I think that actually we're interested in having ice cream this early. So, you know, if you're watching the video here, Facebook and YouTube, double strawberry swirl. That's what I've got with bananas because now it actually is breakfast. And <laughs> I, 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 I just almost I, I passed feel, out. Because, <laughs> I feel like that's a stretch, but okay. <laughs> but the uh, double strawberry swirl inspired by Justin, that's what he's got. Yes, and Al here had. It's the second one. A it's the blue bunny mini cones, mini swirl cones, and that's his second one. I yeah. didn't even know what the name was because the the wrap was blank. The the box, yeah, I took them out of the box and I was like, I threw the box away and I went. Now I have no idea what to tell people these things are, but you know, such is life. But we've got. Ice cream, we've got bananas, and uh, if you're watching this first thing in the morning with us... It might get a little bananas. It might get a little bananas. Uh, you don't have to eat ice cream, but you should get something sweet. Put some honey in your tea or sugar in your coffee or have a croissant or a Danish or something and uh, come on in with us. We're going to talk about how sweet Jesus is and how uh, Jesus is so sweet. He's working some really awesome stuff through these guys and through through PPM. So I, I need to have a bite real quick. Everybody else, <laughs> take this is your opportunity to take a bite. I've been staring at this thing too long, but it's good. So uh, I know Justin... For about a year, yeah. was it about this time you showed up with Ecom to kind of talk, or was it earlier yeah. January, maybe? No, what? no, it was. Uh, it would have been November of last year. Okay, so yeah, we're getting close to a year. Okay, yeah, I feel like we should celebrate. We are. Oh, okay, <laughs> we're actually having the podcast we talked about, <laughs> oh, back yeah, about a year ago. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and Al, I met yesterday. Um, we were actually in New Orleans. And uh, Al is kind of taken over for uh, for Justin, and so that's how this whole thing got started here. But why don't we? Why don't you tell us first? I got to ask everybody this question: What's so sweet about Jesus? And whichever one of you wants to go first, extrovert or introvert? <laughs> <laughs> the introvert, go first. <laughs> what is so sweet about Jesus, man? Um, for me personally, <clears throat> the 
given the first sweet thing about Jesus is that he came down. He left his throne, came down to save me, to give me this blessed hope that I have now that when this body leaves this earth, I get to be with my Lord and Savior for eternity. What a sweet thing about my Lord. And the, the, the second thing, I mean, I may have a thousand. The second thing is that not only he saved me, but he also calls me to be a part of what he is doing. He is a self-sufficient God. He is the Lord of Lords. He owns the angels. He owns the universe. Yet he calls me to be a part of what he is doing, and which is why I'm here in New Orleans, uh, from Haiti, served in Alaska, lived in Minnesota, now living in Texas. And it's all in relation to what he has called me to do, to go into the world and make disciples, share the good news of the gospel with those who do not have that hope. And to me, that's, that's a very sweet thing about Jesus because he has the power to do it by himself. <clears throat> he has enough angels who are pure, I mean, who are pure, <laughs> sinless angels, um, you know, to do this kind of work. And yet he calls me, a born-again sinner, to be a part of what he's doing in this world, to save the world. So that's a wonderful, sweet thing about Jesus that is much sweeter than this little ice cream cone that I have. And this is pretty sweet, actually. Well, that's kind of the point, is this is so sweet. (laughs) And if Jesus is sweeter, that must must mean something, right? So, Al, follow-up question. You talked about the, the call, right? He calls me. You have a story that comes to mind about just how cool it is. You know, you found yourself called by by your lord to do something you're in this situation you just kind of like man i get to do this like i get to be a part of this yes all right you got one you got Absolutely. 12 you got yes this story actually goes back to uh when i was in college um actually i, I was born and raised in haiti um i uh <clears throat> went to high school i graduated high school and went to college in haiti and uh when um uh, when I graduated high school, um, it was a very confusing time of my life because, um, I mean, I was pretty good in school. I mean, I, I, I did, fit, I was good in physics and math and, and uh, you know, um, languages and pretty much everything. So He speaks four languages. <laughs> wow. So, um, but I knew what I would not fail at. So, um Getting into college in Haiti is a very hard um, thing because you have the state university, you have science, um, medical, uh, linguistics, and they only enroll 100 to 200. And those are going to be, those are going to have to be the best because otherwise you have the private ones that are super expensive and unfortunately most. People cannot afford them. So I had to compete with thousands of students to be able to uh, get accepted in linguistics, which is which was part of the state university. So um, I competed. Uh, again, I, I was accepted. And uh, so, yeah, because I, I always had a, a, a huge passion for languages. I grew up speaking 
uh, Creole, which is my mother tongue, uh, Spanish, because my dad speaks Spanish. He used to live in the uh, in at our neighbors, uh, the Dominican Republic. Um, and French is basically my education language. And then I picked up English as, you know, uh, my fourth one. So, um, so yeah, I got accepted in uh, uh, the linguistics uh, college. And, uh, yeah, so moving forward, when the earthquake happened in January of 2010, uh, that building, super tall building, three-story building, went down in the earthquake. I was at school that day, and by the grace of God, I happened to leave earlier. Um, so at 4.53 when the earthquake happened, the entire building went down. Over 200 students died. Oh, man. Uh, Dean, vice dean, you know, teachers, and um, yeah, it was hard. So um, after the earthquake, I decided to, uh, because, you know, couldn't go back to school. I mean, we basically lost hope, especially in the area where I was, where the earthquake affected the most. Um, and by the way, 300, I mean, what they could count, over 320,000 people died Wow. Um, in, the, in that earthquake. So... Um, so I decided, you know, to, because I had already spoken English, I decided to um, not just sit around, you know, just waiting for, you know, an angel to come and save me. So I decided to start teaching English um, because being able to speak a second language, I know the advantage of being able to speak, you know, a second language because because of that, uh, uh, because of that ability that I had, um, I ended up having several jobs, um, you know, so I, I wanted to pass that on to other young people like me, so I started teaching English, um, and six weeks later, um, not six weeks, about six months later, uh, things started to get back to normal, so I went back to to finish my studies. I was in my third year. It was a four-year program, um, so I, I went back to, to continue, but when I got there, it was really, really hard, um, not having a library i mean it was we went from having a huge building to a little shack um it was really hot uh, so it was really hard to be there uh, so at that time the, the second week when i get when i get back uh to um the university um the canadian embassy decided to grant the university with three scholarships for the three students who spoke english the best and I happened to be one of them. But at that time, I didn't have a passport, so I lost the opportunity. And, I mean, you may, not, you may never understand it. For a Haitian, having the opportunity to leave that country and go study somewhere else in, you know, in a developed country was a big thing. So I missed that opportunity, and the two other students went. And I'm like, it, it felt like a rapture happened, and I was left behind. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, it was really hard, um, but about two weeks later, Praying Pelican Missions came to Haiti, and my church, my home church, happened to be the first church that they came in contact with. Um, so because of my ability to speak the language, my pastor knew me. I was a drummer at the church, so but my pastor, from teaching English after the earthquake, he knew that I spoke English, um, and he called me to be his translator. And nice. that's how I got connected with Praying Pelican Missions. Um, and when they brought their first group, I don't remember the date, but it was in June, 
I got my first orientation with them. And because they were impressed <coughs> with, you know, my service, my ability to understand the, 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 the American <coughs> culture and being able to bridge between uh, Haiti, you know, the, the Haitian culture and the U.S. culture, I was hired uh, the second week. And that was my introduction with Brain Belt and Missions. And fast forward, uh, met my wife who came on a trip. Um, and uh, in 2012, we got married and became the first full-time missionaries with Praying Pelican Missions, and we served there through um, 2018 when, when because of political unrest, we could not bring groups um, to Haiti anymore. Anyway, so, yeah, that's, that's how I got to do a lot of missions. Uh, we became, uh, I mean, I became a pastor to many pastors. I mean, we've worked with, with about 35 different churches, uh, because Praying Belkin Missions, for the church is our base. So we work primarily with the local church. So, yeah, over the years, I developed relationships with those different pastors. And the amount of work that we've done over those years are really unnumbered. Um, many lives have come to the Lord. Many families were blessed. The widows have been blessed. Churches, schools, um, I, I, I cannot count the blessings that the Lord has poured, you know, over my family, over different families, over the Haitian church, over the country um, as a whole uh, through the work that we have done with Brain Pelican Missions. So, awesome. again, that's, I, I didn't understand when I, when I lost that opportunity to go to Canada. I didn't understand it until when God opened that door with Brain Pelican Missions. Yeah, you'd have been gone. I know, exactly. I'm like, you'd have been gone. What would my life been like right now, you know? I wouldn't have been my wife. I don't know. I would, anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's all to say, you know, God shut that door to Canada because he had something better for me. Mm-hmm. And I, can, I do not regret that. I do not regret missing that opportunity to go to Canada um, and having that opportunity to serve in my country with Brain Pelican Missions. So, yeah. Wow. Jesus. Jesus is sweet. He is. So, Justin, we, yeah. we made this guy talk for <clears throat> a little while. A little while. Yeah. What's so sweet about Jesus? So, uh, I'm, I'm actually, you've, I knew this question was coming. So, you, you know, I've you actually kind of thought about it before. And I'm glad that Al had two answers because I also have two answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we should all probably have like 12 or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's true. But I, I, th- I feel like I can narrow it down a little bit to two. <clears throat> so my, my two answers, the first one, I'm going to be honest, is a little selfish, but it's completely what he has done for me in my life. Um, I love s- looking back and seeing where God has moved in my life and how he has opened up doors and closed other doors and, and just where he's moved me and my family and to see kind of where I am today and to be able to look back and just be like, okay, God, I see you. You know, I I, I see what you were doing. Cause in the moment, it's so easy to be like, God, what what are you doing? Like, like, just just give me something. But then you know, later on, you just get to kind of look back and reflect on it and be like, okay, maybe you weren't telling me exactly what you were doing, but I see what you were doing now. Yeah. And so I just 
it really is. It's one of my favorite things I feel like in life is just to look back and see how God is, is taking care of me, my family, and kind of what he's done for us. And so, so that's kind of my selfish one a little bit. But the other one is just how sweet Jesus is, is his love for us. Um, and it's kind of funny, as we were driving over here this morning, we were listening to Amazon Music, and uh, the song Known by Torn Wells came on. And I love that song just because it talks about how ridiculous it is to be known and loved by Jesus. And it amazes me all the time how, like, he knows me. Like, like he knows me. <laughs> he knows yeah. every thought I've ever had, every action I've ever done. And he still loves me. And there's nothing that I or anyone else can ever do to stop that love of Jesus. And again, it, it, it just kind of, it amazes me how much he loves us no matter what we do. You can't get much sweeter than that. Yeah. Just the love of, of Christ for us is just, I can't even fathom it. Because there's a lot of people that, you know, that I don't I don't love, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and to think that Jesus and, still loves them. Yes. Well, that and that helps us yes. get the courage to love them, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Because that's what he wants us to do. Yeah. But yeah, we... It's real easy to give up on people. Yeah. Real yeah. easy to give up on ourselves, too. That, that's true, too. But he uh, he loves us. I, uh, I love to write, um, you know, and uh, I, I sometimes use that little illustration. Like, when I'm writing, like, if I write something that's, I don't like the way it looks on the paper because I like, you know, my writing to be neat, I just erase it. And I, I love to use that illustration for myself. I'm like God created me and I, you know human beings, and and you know we we chose to be you know to turn our back to Him, and He could have just start over, scratch it, start over, but no, He didn't start over. He actually makes us look the way He wants us to by sending His Son, you know, to die for us. So, anyways, I, I like to use that simple illustration to, you know, like, seeing my patience with something that's bad. I just, you know, get rid of it and start fresh. Yeah. God did not do that. When he could have done that. He could have, yeah. Have you seen his handwriting? Actually, you know, once he said it, I was like, yeah, I remember looking over at your notebook on Tuesday and going... Wow. Is that like on the page? Yeah. Does that come? Yeah. Does that notebook yeah. come with this fancy stuff at the That's, top? Or? It's the fanciest writing I've ever seen. And it? then I saw him actually write and I went, wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So Jesus is pretty sweet for, for all these reasons. And not just the fact that he didn't start over, but he also lets us start over like it's been erased. Yeah. Right? That uh, those spots that you can't seem to get out, he can. And uh, so many good things. And then obviously that's why you all do what you do, because people need to know this, right? Right. So, Justin, you said looking back, you see how God is kind of working in your life and all that kind of stuff. How 
did you get to be a part of PPM? Because I think that story is kind of what maybe you were referencing, or maybe there's more things, obviously. I mean, I mean... You know, when can I not look back and see where Jesus is working? But, yes, yes, but, but that but, was a pretty big yeah moment. I think, if I recall, yeah. So for for me, I uh, I was actually in the finance world. I was working in in the banking industry, doing private banking. Um, I kind of tell people all the time I was playing with rich people's money, if you will, <laughs> <clears throat> or at least helping them play with it. I guess I don't know. Um, and so I did that for almost 18 years, like a month sh- shy of 18 years. Um, during that time, I also uh, worked within youth ministry. And um, probably about, I think it was around 2017 or so, God kind of started moving me out of the youth ministry. Um, I didn't really understand why. I didn't really know I I don't know. I just had this feeling almost like it was just time to sort of transition out of youth ministry. Um, And so um, tried for a little bit to kind of get into to college ministry. So for about a a year, did um, did kind of a college ministry at my church. Honestly, it was and I'm sure there are probably some of my friends that are going to watch this. It was horrible. It really was. It was it was bad. It just didn't go well. and, that, and I don't know. Cause it, the funny thing is, some of the youth I was working with had graduated and were in college. And so it was some of my youth people that school. I knew really well. But it's like it just didn't click. I don't know. And I think, it, I, I think again, looking back, I think it was maybe me trying to fit the, you know, the square peg in the round hole. Like mm-hmm. I just thought, okay, that's the next progression is kind of maybe going to college ministry. Um, and so, so yeah, it didn't really work. And so I'm just, this whole time I'm just kind of praying and asking God, okay, God, what's, what's, what's next? Um, there were some things even at my, my job, uh, with the banking that I just wasn't happy with. Um, and you could just tell I wasn't happy. Uh, and so God just slowly started to reveal that he wanted, uh, my family to go into full-time mission work. Um, I've always had a passion for for missions. I've always loved taking, you know, youth and college kids to mission trips. And um and so yeah, he just kind of started revealing that he wanted us to go into mission work. Um and so the 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 cool funny thing kind of is the whole time that he's revealing that to me, I'm not talking to my wife about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, wise advice, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm not talking to my wife about it. I'm just kind of, it's kind of almost just this struggle that me and God are doing this little dance. What's my wife going to say to me when I tell her? Yeah, uh... yeah, yeah. So, so my wife actually, the first year in probably 12 years, I didn't go with the youth to youth camp. My wife went, I didn't go. So I'm at home with the kids. My wife calls me, you know, youth camps normally you know, Monday to Friday kind of thing. She calls me like Thursday night saying, Hey, we need to talk. Okay. It's a Uh-oh. little, little, yeah, a little, little, okay. And she says, Hey, uh, I feel like God's calling us into some sort of mission role. I was like, okay, funny that you should say that. Mm-hmm. I've been dealing with this for about a year. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, let's talk about this. And so she actually came home late Friday night. 
um, we just got in this big, deep conversation. Uh, we actually, we, I, I feel like we probably just like fed our kids chicken nuggets and then sent them upstairs to their room. And it was like six o'clock at night and we were just like, just go to bed. Just, yeah, just, just leave us alone. <laughs> Mommy and daddy have to have a little talk time. And so we're just sitting there on our bed in our, in our bedroom and we're like, okay, we both feel like God has told us separately that this is what he wants our family to do. And so, and I, I kid you not, we, we kind of, we turned and looked at each other and we said, is this really what we're doing? And we both just agreed and we said, yeah, this is what we're doing. Let's start doing this. And I feel like, I know me, uh, my wife will probably say the same thing, but like the 800 pound gorilla just got off my back. I mean, immediately right there. Just, just the peace that came with the decision of, of just surrendering and just saying, yeah, this is what we're doing. So we kind of get to that point and we're like, okay, so we fill missions. Now what? And it, it took about another year or so to finally God reveal that he wanted us to be in the Pacific Northwest. And so... Um, Kind of, you know, I don't want to go too deep into the into that story, but just kind of through our church and some connections, um, I was able to go on a trip to Seattle and just see the, the need that is up there um, for just just sharing gospel up there. Um, and so, as we um, start deciding on Seattle, we started selling everything you know so we started selling our our house uh we moved into an rv so we are full-time rvers so you know we just travel around in the rv and it's like one big giant camping trip and so uh so we sell everything and our plan and again i I emphasize our, our plan was to be in seattle summer of 2020 so something else kind of happened in like yeah. March of 2020. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, the world shut down. <laughs> yep. um, and it's kind of funny saying even those words, but it's like tr- I mean, the world Literally, shut down. That's what happened, yeah. Yeah. And so we were like, uh, and I don't know if you know this or not, but Seattle was the first case of COVID. I was just going to say, it was right around there. I know yeah. it was Northwest. but Yeah, so Seattle yeah. had the first case of COVID. And so literally Seattle went in lockdown. Wow. And so, you know, we have our house is sold. We're in an RV and we're like, we, we started our own nonprofit. And so we're like, um, God, like, like you're giving us this, this, this vision. What, like, what are you doing? You know, it was really one of those kind of like, God, seriously, like, what, what are you doing kind of moments in our life? And so we just had to kind of just trust God that he just, he had a plan. And so I'm, you know, I'm struggling with trusting that he has a plan. And so I'm like, okay, what what do we do now? And so I actually, I had worked with PPM on several trips as far as like taking our church to, um, so we, we had gone to San Francisco and to Alaska um, with praying pelican, so I was a little bit familiar with praying pelican. Anyway, I knew um, a couple of people, and so I actually made a call and said, "Hey, this is kind of what's going on with my family. This is kind of what we what we're thinking. Could y'all just use us, kind of for the time being?" 
until yeah. we're able to. I know that PPM doesn't do anything in the Pacific Northwest. So could we just kind of use? Could y'all just use us until we're able to get up there? And so, um, so our vice president of operations is who I was talking to, and she's like, uh, "Yes." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay. That, that went better than I was expecting." Yeah. So what do we do now? And so, uh, so yeah. So last year, I guess twenty twenty one. I just, I, like, I traveled to, in the RV, we traveled to, I believe, 15 different states. Wow. And um, not all of those we did PPM trips in, um, but several we did. Um, and so so I just um, worked for them, and then they asked me to uh, to come on full-time with them and uh, head up our, our, our Texas and Louisiana regions. And so uh, for the last year... I've been doing uh, Houston, Lake Charles, and New Orleans um, trips, and um, this whole time I've been kind of telling them, "Hey, I still feel called to the Pacific Northwest," and they're like, "Yeah, let's let's do it as soon as we can get up there. We'll start doing trips up there." And so, this last June, um, we did our first trip to the Pacific Northwest. We actually did went to Portland, Oregon. And the cool part of it is it was my home church in Houston that went on the trip. Nice. And so it was, it was really cool to to kind of take my friends and family, really. On the first trip. On the first trip to the Pacific Northwest. And so as of uh, the last week of October, we will be officially moved into the Seattle area. And so because of that, that's why we're we're here today, ultimately, is because I'm handing off my regions here to to Al. And so, uh, so but I, I'm just going to throw this in there. So, I mean, they're also having me over the Hawaii region. And yes. so I'm, I'm going to also get to travel to Hawaii a little Darn. bit. And so, yeah, in three weeks, I'm going to be leading so a hard trip in Hawaii. It? Yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> some, some people really have to suffer for Jesus. Yeah, and they do. So, Clearly, so, you're one of them. So, although, although, I mean, <clears throat> you know, selling everything you have and then not being able to go anywhere yeah, is yeah. kind of, that sort of sucks. It was, I mean. it was, it was a, it was a struggle. But I mean, again, it was just one of those just like, okay, God, we just have to wait and see. Um, yeah. But, uh-huh. but it's awesome. I love being able to, again, look back right now and be like, I see the light. The light at the end of the tunnel is right here. Mm-hmm. In just a couple of months, we are going to be in the Pacific Northwest. We're going to be kind of planting some roots and start doing what God called us to do three years ago. Mm. Um, And so, uh, so compounding on that, I'm going to, I'm going to add one more thing in there. So I'm going to back up a little bit and um, I don't know that you and I have ever had this conversation. Maybe not. So my oldest son has cystic fibrosis. And so I don't know if, if you know anything about CF or not. A little bit. No. So it's a genetic disease that um, affects his his lungs and his digestive tract. And so, uh, so the, kind of the easy way to explain a little bit is, um, you know, we all have like water in our lungs. Um, his is like a really thick molasses. Mm. And so we all kind of breathe in and out bacteria and viruses all the time. You know, and our body just deals with it. Deals with it, fights it, gets it out. Well, when his gets in his lungs, like that bacteria will get in there, and it'll just slowly start to deteriorate his lungs. Um, and so, 
it's it, so he got diagnosed um, when he was a month old, um, and he he spent his first time in the hospital for pneumonia when he was like three months old, and so he's had a, his own set of doctors since he was one month old, pretty much, um, and so he's now twelve. Um, so when we kind of told his doctors, you know what's going what's going on, um, and kind of that we felt like we were being called into to the mission field. And to do mission work, the, our doctor, who um, happens to be a believer, you know, he was like, you know, okay, I understand what you're doing, but I, I can't approve this and I can't condone this unless you tell me kind of where and we got to figure out sort of how, how we're going to handle his, his treatment plan, kind of. And so uh, Texas Children's Hospital in, in Houston is, is, his, is where his doctors are. It's the, uh, the, like the third ranked cf clinic in the united states and so we said okay well we're going up to seattle and he says okay they're the number one ranked cf clinic in the united states <laughs> and again you just kind of be like okay god yeah we see you yeah nice he has a plan yeah and no matter what we are doing and thinking I mean, he's so many steps ahead of us. It's not even funny, yeah. you know. And he and you're, you just you really do have to just sit back and enjoy the ride. At sometimes, <laughs> it, it's a lot harder to do that though than, I mean, it's just not that simple in our own minds, at least, right? I I did uh, chapel yesterday with the uh, child care center here. We got child development center, birth to five, and talked about i mean how much do you talk to a bunch of yeah so there's a curriculum and it's very basic and it keeps it simple and you know i try to stick to that it's hard to get them to pay attention but you know they do sort of sometimes i got a lot out of it though because it was abraham and sarah god is faithful and so they give you like a three word theme and you just say it over and over. God is faithful and you clap with them and you just, you know, so it's, and then we got songs where they can just jump and dance and go crazy for about 10, 15 minutes at the end. But, uh, I've been thinking about that story and I think it fits right. Abraham and Sarah, Hey, you're going to, you're going to go someplace and, uh, I'll let you know when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to make you a, a great nation. And you're going to have a son. And it's not going to be this distant cousin, nephew of yours, or whatever that's going to inherit. It's going to be your own son. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait. And then they go, oh, well, maybe this is how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. Hagar gets into the mix. and <clears throat> But then, no. Then comes Isaac and... And that, that was the point. We, obviously, we didn't go into all the details on uh, yeah. Hagar and all that. It's just, hey, Abraham and Sarah were sad. They wanted a baby. God promised the baby. The baby didn't come. And then the baby came, and everybody was happy, and God is faithful. You know, like yeah. it was that. Yeah. So I struggle with all of that. So you guys are, uh, <laughs> I mean, having a PPM team forces you into that quite a bit. It, yes, and, absolutely. Uh, things just do not go the way you want with almost anything. But then when you add 
like a whole bunch of other people and all these different programs and things and and then traveling to this area and storms and all kinds of chaos and you know it's just adds another piece of chaos to the whole mix yeah the one of the key words for mission works but especially ppm is flexibility yeah you you have to be flexible because things are going to change constantly you got to just kind of roll with stuff and, and again that's a lot easier said than done <laughs> yeah yeah i'm uh currently doing a study on habakkuk and uh you know this this whole theme that you know you just have to trust god knowing that he has a plan you know he has it all figured out even yeah. though it does it may not make any sense to us um my wife and i had uh oh, by the way i'm married um, <laughs> and we have four beautiful children um and uh yeah they're eight seven I mean, she turns nine this month on the 16th um seven five and two and a half christmas baby he turns nice. three um december 25th so wow so yeah um they've been through a lot uh there were three of them were born in the field in haiti and uh, one of them was born here. I, I mean, it was never our plan to live here in the U.S. I mean, we wanted to be there, serve the people of Haiti, um, yeah, and our children grew, grow there. So, but I mean, it was our plan, but not God's. Um, right. My wife and I. I mean, about a year ago, uh, we went to counseling, and we we just had some time to reflect, you know, on our life as we were. I mean, we had just been displaced from Haiti, and it was hard. Um, it was not intentional. We were here, and all of a sudden, we could not go back to our home, everything that we own over the years. Um, we basically had to start life from scratch again. Wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we had some time to reflect on, you know, just from day one when we met each other and how we served in the field, you know, together and, you know, birth of our children, I mean, just looking back at all the things that God had done, and we actually started writing a book, um, and the title would be, When His Faithfulness is All We See. Um, you know, no matter how hard the situations were, we always, we could not not see God's faithfulness in all of it. Mm-hmm. Even though it didn't make sense to us, we saw His faithfulness in all of it, you know, no matter how hard so, yeah, he's a faithful God, and um, he works in ways that, <coughs> you know, we may never understand, but he remains God. And the, the name of the book, When His Faithfulness is All We See. Is all we that's, see. that's kind of the, I mean, it's not written yet. Uh, I mean, it's basically written, not edited, but uh, that's kind of the title we were thinking. The know? working title. The, the yeah. working title. There you go. So, <clears throat> Haiti, you, uh, you mentioned the earthquake in 2010. And then you kind of mentioned 2018. That's when, uh, you know, right around November, they had, it's the 200th anniversary, I think. Mm-hmm. Actually, there was a pastor and a student pastor at the church I was at at the time that were there mm. during 2018. I didn't realize until later that the State Department had been telling people not to come, mm-hmm. kind of expecting it. Yeah. <laughs> so they were stuck there a little bit longer than they mm-hmm. uh, anticipated. So a little familiar. I've been to Haiti think twice. I think I've been there twice with uh, Food for the Poor. Mm-hmm. It's an organization down there, and we were supporting and building stuff there. 
So you're saying you actually were there, but you were in the States and then you couldn't come back? Yeah. And it was during those riots in 2018, or was it another time? Or yeah, so really, the <laughs> summer of 2018 is um, the beginning of this whole human disaster <coughs> um, that's been happening in Haiti. Um, I mean, there were always. I mean, we. I mean, as a family, we. Um, I mean, we've gone through seasons of you know political unrest, um, but July of 20. Uh, 18 is when um, you know the country was granted some significant amount of money from from oil revenue oil or something revenue, right exactly, yeah with their uh, from Venezuela and stuff like that so four billion dollars um, and nobody knows where the money went disappeared yeah so the uh, IMF started put, you know was putting some kind of pressure on the government to give account. So this four billion dollars. Um, so they decided, oh, the best way to make up, I mean, to get that money is to hike the gas price by. Sorry, it must be outside. They're <laughs> they're blowing something out like, in our uh, little. Like Justin, why, why are we making noise? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, are they mowing the yard? <laughs> it's probably just uh, you know, there's a little green patch out here and. I've never been in the podcast studio at nine fifteen in the morning, so maybe so that's when they come. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, we've learned something this morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, we so, definitely learned something. Yeah, so overnight they decided to hike the gas price by hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So um, and and you know usually when when there's a penny that goes that's added on the gas price in Haiti, everything goes up because uh, people rely on public transportation. Um, and the country relies on, you know, um, importation. So there's not much of a power grid, so exactly. people use generators. Yeah, yep. everything goes up with the gas price, and by, you know, raising it by fifty percent uh, overnight was going to be just hard for for the, especially for for you know the the people who have to go out daily for you know to to survive. Um, so the country was shut down three days. I, I was actually about 40 miles from home, and I ended up spending three days away from my family, stuck, because there's nothing. Roads were blocked. I mean, that's hmm. that's the most common way for people to express their frustration and anger. They block, block the roads, yeah. because there's not many. So if, the, if one road is blocked... Start charging tolls, country. basically. Yeah, they're... Uh, just to draw attention, you know. So... Yeah, so, I mean, from that point on, um, those who opposed the government, you know, took advantage of the situation to arm gangs and, you know, voice their frustration, sadly, the, the wrong way, um, at, I mean, at the detriment of the majority. So, mm -hmm. so things started going down, and, and fast forward, the president got, got assassinated, assassinated yeah. um, and... Gangs started just prodding all over the country. Um, you know, like containers of guns would go, you know, missing. Mm. Um, I mean, those guns would just get into the wrong hands. Uh, so it became really dangerous for for us as a family. And uh, so we got out, um, and we actually went back later um, in 2018. But. Um, 
we started knowing what's, what's known as lockdown. So, February of 2019, <coughs> we actually got ev evacuated via helicopter because um, we were just missing, I mean, we couldn't get groceries, we couldn't get anything. I mean, uh, so as a family, you know, we, we wanted to be proactive, you know, and uh, so fast forward November of 2019, we were still there and my wife was pregnant with our fourth. Um, and uh, in November, we were going into a 12 day lockdown, no hospital care, nothing, everything was shut down. So my brother, who's a doctor, told us, you know, you better, you guys better go to the States because, you know, my wife is a U.S. citizen, my, all my kids are. Um, and, you know, again, we need to be proactive just in case um, because we get the address from a doctor who said, you know, the hospitals don't have any supplies. So if you guys have any issue, you know, with the birth, it's going to be a big issue because you can drive anywhere, you know, to a hospital. So yeah. uh, we had one Saturday that was kind of open. Uh, we were able to make it to the airport, so my wife came here with the three, with our three uh, older ones, um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, baby was born in December. I was able to go back after I was here for the birth and went back. Uh, but when I went back, um, it was a different Haiti. Um, wow. There was not much as much you know protest, roadblocks anymore, but kidnapping started. So in, in uh, February of 2020, I actually came back from Haiti to pick up my wife with, you know, to bring him back home because, again, we never wanted to live here in the U.S. I mean, Haiti was home, um, and we wanted to, wanted to be there and serve there. Um, but when I left home, my dad for the first time told me, Al, we know this is your home. Your wife loves Haiti. Your kids love Haiti but stay in the U.S. for a little bit longer until things calm down. Um, so I, I listened, you know, I still left home with a backpack and flip-flops knowing that I'm gonna come back home. But when uh, we got here, my wife and her mama had actually driven from Minnesota all the way to Florida to meet with me with suitcases packed and everything to go back home. But when we, uh, I started getting messages from everybody, like the pastors we worked with, our staff, and everybody told us, hey, Al, you're a big target. Like, my neighbors would come to my dad and tell him, you know, him that don't, Al is a big target for kidnapping. Because, you know, uh, we were well known throughout the country because of our service, you know, to the church. And, um, and you know, people would easily assume that we have a lot of money because of our association with Americans. Uh, there's that misconception, too, from some people that, you know, um, people in America have endless amounts of money. money. <laughs> yeah. to go, go yeah. to the backyard and pluck some money from a tree. So, uh, so we listened, uh, and uh, we we had some friends in Mississippi. So we we drove from Florida to Mississippi, and said with uh, some of our friends, you know, thinking it was going to be just a couple of weeks, you know, and then things would calm down, but nothing changed. It got worse and worse and worse every day. Um, and then COVID happened. Yeah, you ain't going anywhere now. <laughs> exactly. So COVID happened, and uh, yeah, Haiti was, you know, shut down again, couldn't travel. Um, but that didn't, you know, lessen the, 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 
the social chaos, the kidnapping. It didn't make it any better. Um, so, yeah. So, um, so what if God's plan that we don't always know about, right? What if God's plan was just, you know, that whole COVID thing was really just to make sure these two guys... <laughs> So I'm not going to lie. I've thought of that before. Like it's all really about I mean, Al not going back to Haiti and keeping him alive and, and doing ministry so that we could have this conversation. And Justin to you know get hooked up with PPM and help them get started in the Pacific Northwest. And then just as a token for his you know all the angst. Uh, you get to go to Hawaii too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm not going to lie. I've th- I've thought that. I've even said to my wife before. I'm not saying it's all about us, but I mean, it seems to be a little well, bit about us. It, you know, it, uh, it, it. But isn't that cool though? Like, you know, God. Like maybe there's just this off chance that God was really incredibly, immensely concerned about me yeah yeah to keep me from going back to haiti and getting kidnapped too it would sound selfish to say that me but you know what i'm thinking now is that there there are for sure hundreds of millions of people who could say that yeah yeah and god could exactly yeah yeah and And i think it just shows how powerful he is and how much he does care about us is that even in the midst of this enormous pandemic yeah, that good. he is still working within people's lives. Exactly. And, and to say that the pandemic was, uh, you know, a good thing or like God's doing it to, you know, cause a lot of bad stuff happened too. Yeah, absolutely. But that somehow he can take something that bad and use it for good. Just yeah. like, of course the cross. Yeah. And taking the greatest injustice, the most horrific pain, misery, you know, spiritual angst, everything that's wrapped up in that one event and make it like the central event in history. Right. That that saves people, that shows his love, right? And I don't know, I, I've been meaning to say, Jesus loves you a latte. This is, I didn't just have ice cream. <laughs> I had tea and honey in it. And uh, so, yeah, Jesus loves you a latte. That's funny. <laughs> and he did it and showed it in, in this horrific set of events. So we got to talk more specifically about PPM. We've kind of danced yeah. around it. Praying Pelican missions. Yeah. You probably need to give your little elevator speech. <clears throat> you got to okay. tell people why Praying Pelican missions. And so we are a short-term mission organization that believes in coming alongside the local church. And so we want to come alongside your local church and we want to help you reach your community for Christ. Mm. Um, and so really it kind of boils down to that is we're, you know, we're not an organization that has its own agenda. We always want to partner with local pastors and local churches and we want to help your church in whatever way that means to you to reach your community. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I don't know. You want to expand on that? Yeah. So one might ask why the local church, you know, um, we believe that God has called each and every one of us as believers to go out into the world 
and make disciples. That is the Great Commission. That's what we're called to do. That is our mission. And we believe that, you know, um, if God wants to do something here in New Orleans, he will use his people. He will use his church. Um, and the church is here 24-7. Um, and that's why we want to join in what the church is already doing, in what God is already doing through his church. Hmm. Um and, you know, how beautiful it is to, you know, have Christians from a different end of the world to join with other Christians from a different end of the world. And that, that was the beauty that we saw in Haiti. Uh, we had, um, just going to, I have hundreds of examples, but I'm going to take one. I have a, uh, one pastor that we, we brought a small team of six people from Minnesota to work with that church in Haiti. And at the end of the week, the pastor said, um, I was just wondering, I was just asking myself, why did you leave Minnesota to come to Haiti to serve with me? And he said, he answered the question. He said, God used you to tell me, to remind me that I'm not alone. So that's one of many stories. We work, we, we come alongside pastors who really got to a point of discouragement. They don't, they feel like they're alone. They don't know how to reach out to their communities. They don't, they don't know what to do. They have the desire, but they don't know how to do it. Especially right now with everything going on in the last it's, two years with COVID, mm-hmm. I think pastors are getting discouraged, mm-hmm. you know, are getting kind of burnt out. Yeah. The statistics are, uh, not good. Yeah. And uh, I think... And they weren't good beforehand. They weren't now good beforehand. It's like, and now, now they're, it's really they're a lot worse. And the, I, I read, it wasn't that long ago, something about how many pastors are ready to quit, how many pastors talk about that stretch 2020, 2021. Right. Being, you know, the worst ever. And, uh, <laughs> and then at the bottom of the statistics, it said, interestingly enough, this percent, and it... It wasn't like nothing. It was like 19, 29, 30% maybe is not, probably not higher than 30%, but a, but a good chunk said, oh yeah, we've seen worse. <laughs> <laughs> Count me in that group. <laughs> so uh, so I think the, the, the idea of, you know, we bring in teams to, a, to an area, usually for a week. At the end of the week, they go back home. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's so important to partner with a local church because we want these teams to always point people, whoever they come in contact with that week, we want them to point back to the local church because we believe in that, the discipleship. Mm -hmm. You know, we believe in that, that local church is what's going to make the impact in the area. We come in for five, six, seven days. Yeah. There's only so much of an impact that really can be made at that point. Well, it's relationships, right? It's not like Absolutely. you just uh, do something and then it's done and you've made a disciple. No, it's mm-hmm. right. It's not it like an assembly line. It's uh, we are in the process of being made disciples. Mm-hmm. Like we're mm-hmm. somebody yeah. is still making us disciples. God is still making disciples with us yeah. in us. You know. Yeah. As we were meeting with Pastor Greg, uh, one of our um, 
you know, pastors here in New Orleans, and he mentioned something that, you know, they had just had a Bible study, and he pointed, pointed out to one of the um, participants there who came to the Bible study, and he said that's a result of our team, you know, the Praying Pelican Missions team going out with his church, you know, yeah. to... You know, yeah, they started coming to his church just church. because of the last couple of weeks when we had a team here. Wow, I don't know, a month ago. Yeah, end of uh, July. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Um, that that they now have someone participating in their in their weekly Bible study mm-hmm. because of that, and that's that's what we're here to do. I mean, and and I mean, we're not saying that's you know that look at us, pat ourselves on the back kind of thing, but it's yeah. all because you know. That's what we want to accomplish. We want to help the local church. And yeah. when you look at it, I mean, the Lord Jesus told us <clears> that, you know, look, the harvest. I mean, the field is ripe for harvest. Yeah. The har- this harvest of soul will always be plentiful. And he said, you know, few are the laborers. And no matter how many people we bring, that's always going to be true until he returns. Mm. You know? So... If Jesus says it, and that's why he came. That's why John the Baptist came, to prepare the way for Jesus. And that is our calling, because the harvest is plentiful. I mean, when you look around, when we look around us, it is true that there are a lot of people out there who need this hope that we have. Mm. Why not sharing it? Why not bringing in more laborers to go out and share it? They need to know how sweet Jesus is. They need to know how sweet <laughs> Jesus is. That's right. Way to, way to go, man. I'm trying to get the plug in. So we, we've we had uh, a couple of teams. We didn't house everybody. So, so we had the 55-ish <clears throat> high school seniors and their leaders and, and PPM leaders. It was 55 or so folks that were staying here. <laughs> and we've talked about maybe a bigger group than you're usually going to see. And that uh, is a large group. Yes. You guys were kind of new to the area and there were some newer people that were, um, on the trip and everything. So we did have a little bit of chaos, but I, I actually, I, I don't think it was that bad. Surprise. Like it should have probably been worse. <laughs> like, yeah, it should have been way worse than that. But, it was to me. It was totally worth it for us. We had the uh, the hot meals that we handed out that Sunday. We had a, a worship space sanctuary totally filled with groceries that got packed that Sunday. Those groceries got handed out uh, Monday and Tuesday, I think. Three hundred bags of groceries, thirteen hundred meals, and so and then they helped go through our neighborhood neighborhood around the church just with a little prayer thing hey can how can we pray for you here's an email address if you don't want to talk to us just leave it behind so right. like a little like prayer canvassing not eva- direct evangelism so much but that was a long day you know and they they got a long lot week. of work done <laughs> yeah but it was just the first day <laughs> yeah. that was their first day that was sunday if i believe yeah and yeah. then monday we went down into new orleans east there's a church down there new life church of christ holiness usa pastor archie pastor Brown. archie yeah and uh, he actually came in here and did a podcast at one point. Okay. I mean, he just was so thankful to have people come down, to have a church like ours care about them. Right. To have PPM people, you know, here. And we said, no, we should go there. Yeah. You know, he was just uh, thrilled with that. And Well, and again, that's part of what it's about is 
churches helping other churches. You know, we are one body in Christ. And I think too much, especially nowadays with our society, we try to focus on what's separating us. Yeah, what divides us, yeah. And we're not focusing on enough of, we all believe in Christ, you know, and we need to come together and be one body. Well, that that's one of the things I love about PPM is... You know, you'd sent me a list of all the teams you had coming in, trying to see if we could help, how we could help you out and everything. <clears throat> Summertime is hard for us because we got our summer camp going. But um, I look at that list and I see Lutherans and Catholics and Methodists and Baptists and non-denom, uh, yeah. you know, all over the place, a wide array of viewpoints on a variety of things yes yes and i just to me that seems like it's jesus's prayer being answered yeah right jesus says you know before he dies and everything his high priestly prayer he's praying multiple times in this one chapter lord uh you know father bring them all together unity bring them together yeah because when they're one there's going to be some pretty powerful stuff that takes place. Yeah. And I, I think that's what, what happened. And it helped that happen here, too. So we were partnering with Brother Greg's church. We were partnering with Pastor Archie. We, uh, the Boys and Girls Club. And then Family Promise is an organ, homeless organization. They, they serve the homeless families in our area. And just coming together and, and helping people out and... It was it was awesome, and uh, then in June we couldn't house the team because of our summer camp, but we had a team, it was a small team. They put up a fence for one of our members who had lost her fence in Ida, so it was almost a year, right? And she still loves her fence, <laughs> you know. And and not only that, but she, I I feel like she seems far more connected now than she was before. Great. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just noticing things. Yeah. Uh, but but what a blessing there. And I I just, I really do think it's a fantastic ministry, and that's why I have you on. I know you guys have to go. In fact, Ecom actually texted me. He must, uh, he may not know that you're with me, but somehow the Lord. I, I don't know that I told him that we were doing this this morning. So he sent me something, and one of the. Okay, well, I think it's because it's a, it's a Tim Keller quote, and he knows I mentioned Tim Keller a lot. But oh, okay. something uh, you know, God's got us, got me on His mind somehow. You yeah. can tell him I said hi. Yeah, but uh, th- this is one. Before we go, just m- explain the name. We got to explain the name. To okay, you, the so praying pelican. Missions. So, uh, I don't know. You may, yeah. you've been around a lot longer than I have, so you may have, uh, so you, like, you go. Yeah, so I like to put it this way. There are uh, two brothers, um, American brothers, went uh, on a mission trip to Belize, and they uh, partnered with uh, a church there. Um, they, went on, they went on a mission trip and partnered with a, a pastor called, called uh, Pastor Lord Stanford, our very first partner. Um that you know, Crane Falcon Mission has from the beginning. That that's back in twenty uh, two thousand three. 
Um, and they uh, they had a wonderful experience. Um, and they went back, you know, to the U.S. and decided, I mean, that was a good thing that we experienced. What if we create something to allow more people to experience that beautiful thing of, you know, an American church coming alongside a Belizean a Bel- a a church and accomplish something beautiful. Um, and that was their inspiration. Uh, so they uh, they went right to work and decided we have to come up with a name for our little agency. Um, and they chose Praying Pelican Missions. Um, and the idea was to really spur people on asking, what's the Praying Pelican Missions name? That's weird. <laughs> what do you do, Praying Pelican? What's that all about? Uh, so that that was basically the idea for so that they could share the story. Hey, we went to Belize, and, and the Lord worked in mighty ways between the two churches, and we saw partnership being built. With, we saw relationships. We saw encouragement. We saw all of that. Um, so um, later on, they, they found out that the pelican is uh, a Christian symbol that is used a lot in churches. So there's, there's stained glass with pelicans. There are churches that have, you know, the pelican, you know, in Belize. In Belize. In Belize, it's a very Christian symbol. Very Christian symbol. So the legend, I mean, not fact, uh, is that when the baby pelicans are starving, you know, in times of, you know, when food's, food is scarce, the the mother pelican feeds their her babies with what's in her stomach. Hence, you know, picture of self-sacrifice, which is, again, uh, to the extreme, what the Lord Jesus did for us, giving his himself on the cross to die for us. So, a symbol of self-sacrifice. So, that's uh, the the story behind Praying Pelican Missions. And, uh, yeah, so the local church has always been our base. Um, and our motto is that we exist to encourage, assist uh, the local church um, in serving and reaching out their communities for Christ. So, that is what, why we exist. And when we come to when we bring a church to a different church, whether it's from Minnesota to Haiti, for instance, our heart is to see a genuine part, really, uh, um, relationship being built, a genuine partnership being built between the two churches. And a long-term relationship remains between those two churches, and that sustainable ministry, you know, comes as a result of that partnership. Hmm. So in <coughs> Haiti, we... I mean, we had churches, that the same church from, for instance, we had a church from um, uh, Palestine, Texas, who came to a church in Haiti, and it was, they started coming in 2011, and it was their desire to come back to Haiti year after year to continue to build, rather, something physical or re- help that church reach out their community, support kids, and until Christ comes back. And that was, I mean, I had a church from Washington State who came, who started coming to Haiti from day one. And it was, I mean, it was just a beautiful thing. I mean, it made my job so easier. Basically, all I had to do was just pick him up at the airport, drop him off in, in, in my community, and then you see the two churches working together, mm. you know. There's still the language barrier, but you almost couldn't see that because everybody knew each other's name. I mean, it just it just became one community, and that's all hard for every given location that we work. In. So we have a 
we have a picture recently, a recent picture of a um, a a pastor of a church that I don't even remember what country they're going to, but they're going to another country and the pastor of that local church embracing. And it's them. I mean, you can tell in the picture they hadn't seen each other in several years because of COVID. And there'd been this long-term relationship with them. And then they had this gap because of COVID. And they just, in this picture, that the two pastors hugging. And you can just tell it is an embrace of this true partnership and this true love for each other. And I think they truly missed each other Mm -hmm. after this long time. And it's just, I mean, it's one of those pictures that I think we as an organization love to see because that's what we want. We want this true partnership between the coming group and the the local church. Um, just because, again, kind of going back to what we said, that's what we believe the church should look like, yeah. is is this one body. Yeah, and uh, my church actually, um, I mean, my church was, my home church back in Haiti was the first church that, you know, PBM came in contact with. And um, about, I think, far was six years ago, my pastor said, we can do something too. I mean, we have all those American churches coming and serve. We actually brought a group from our church back in Haiti to serve with our partner here in Mississippi. And uh, we we came to New Orleans for recreation and all of that. So since then, um, I mean, that was the first trip. And my, my church back in Haiti has been sending a group from Haiti to Cuba. I mean, I think we went there a couple of times and, uh, you know, um, to different locations because they're... My, they were just inspired of, why, you know, why those people just left their home and come and, and their resources and bless us. And we can do the same. So, yeah, it's, it's just it's just a mutual. Um, I mean, that's, that's basically the goal. We want that relationship to be mutual. We want those churches to be inspired, you know, to send people out. Because, hey, guess what? When we came here, we shared the gospel. We helped, you know, um, yeah, we did as much, I mean, not as much, but, but we did similar ministries here that were very much needed, um, you know, as, you know, what was happening in Haiti as well. So so I think, you know, a lot of times people think of missions as the American church going internationally. Mm. But as an organization, we want all churches to feel like they have the ability to do mission work. And so we, we recently just this year opened up, um, Kenya and I don't know that we've even sent an American church to Kenya yet, but we've had five, I think, I think it was, I think it's at least five Kenya mission trips going to different parts of Kenya. Wow. So the local church in Kenya is going to another local church hours away in in staying for like a week and doing missions and that's what we want as an organization is that we want to you know globalize the church it's not just about americans going to other countries other countries can go to other countries you know other countries need to you know can can do missions right in their own backyard it's not it's just not an american thing and so uh so that that's our 
I don't know. I guess it's kind of even our dream right now yeah. as an organization is yeah. that we are globalizing the local church. Yep. We want to see as many churches coming from Kenya, coming from Haiti, coming right. from Puerto Rico to go wherever you know they want to go. And yeah. we will facilitate that. So we want to be that bridge between all churches, you know, who want to go out and serve, you know, wherever they feel like the, the Lord calls them to go. Yeah. Well, in America is the third largest mission field in the world. And it should be. So <laughs> It needs to be. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we could use some help here. Yeah. Uh, I, I've had some contact with Ethiopian Christians from uh, in Washington, D.C. area. I had a, was at a church about an hour and a half out of D, outside of D.C. And there are a ton of Ethiopian immigrants there. And... Ethiopians are coming to that area and other areas to plant churches and do their missionaries. Yeah. Because, hey, there's all these Ethiopians here and we need to reach them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so they come here to do mission work and not just the Ethiopians, but like, yeah, these Americans. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so much wrong with it. There's so much to unpack on that. I don't think we have time for that on we, the show we today. Don't, we definitely don't. Uh, I don't want to keep Ecom waiting too long. But uh, I, I just want to say how much I think you guys are globalizing the church, helping local churches, local pastors, not knowing how to even get something started. But, hey, we got all these people coming. So yeah. everybody, let's batten down the hatches. Let's let's go. And it, it, it forces you into something that uh, you know, maybe not everyone else would have done if I said it, but because I said, "Hey, they're coming and they're going to do it." Uh, there's somebody who wants to help us too, right? I think manpower, you know, people power, people resources. That's what most churches are lacking. A lot of churches have you know older congregations in some situations, and they just don't have that same energy and enthusiasm. And then you infuse it with typically younger people a lot of younger people are usually involved i've noticed yes and uh, that really just i mean if you can take just young people and partner them with the not as young people i mean i think that alone right there are churches that are looking around going where'd all the people go where all the young people go and then that's that's part of what is missing yeah everyone has that energy yeah that enthusiasm that hey we got to go change the world kind of attitude and uh man it's just i I know it definitely helped jumpstart us good you know uh coming out of covid and and all that stuff so yeah it's been great guys but again ecom's waiting and our ice cream's done. Is it? Did you finish, or did you let I, it turn to soup? No, I did not. I did not finish. He has to drink it. Oh uh, man, I did not. I, I ate about half of it, and I was like, "No, I can't wimp. do it anymore. I can't do it anymore." Wimp, wimp. <laughs> I'm told you you gave me too much. <laughs> well, I probably did, but that's you know it is what it is. So we're just gonna have, to have you back next time. I'll put it in the freezer. That's what I do with my oh. six year old. He can't okay. finish it. Put it in the freezer, and when you All come right. back, I'll have to will, fly uh, back from Seattle, and we'll. Do another. break it out. And yeah. say, oh, no, nobody can have that one. That's, That's Justin. <laughs> so he's he's back. coming back. <laughs> Just like Jesus, there's yeah. a lesson in there. Well, I mean, Jesus is coming back. Justin is coming back. I feel a little awkward with that with that uh, analogy there. <laughs> 
Yes. Well, <laughs> Jesus is so sweet because he comes back. Yes. He, he, he came back from the dead, and he is coming back yes. again. And, and that ice cream is going to stay in that freezer to be a reminder. <laughs> that Maybe one not. day Justin will come back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, wish you the best in the Pacific Northwest and uh, Hawaii. Thank you. Like it's lumped in with that, but I'm not sure it's really the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's close. Al, Almando Jean-Louis. That's the, that's the full full uh, name there, the real deal there. Looking forward to seeing a little bit more of you. Yeah, looking forward to working alongside you. All right. Hey, y'all. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is sweeter. sweeter. That's right. Amen. Amen.